The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We have the opportunity to sing your praise, to sing of a God who laid down his life, to sing of a God who overwhelms us with goodness. Lord, may we, may we know you better from the time we look at your word this morning. Would you teach us some things? Uh, would your spirit minister in a powerful way beyond what my words can do? In Jesus' name, amen. As you are seated, we're going to do one thing different this week, and that is the teens are slipping out for a little uh, summer session with Pastor Josh, so they're heading back that way. Got to admit, got a little bit of mixed feelings as I watch the teens leave. Because I am this, the message we're going to look at today, I, I got to tell you, is just so foundational to everything. So it's been a good thing. We've done this in the summer before, and the kids have gone out, and uh, so I'm good with that. They've they've benefited from that. It's been a good time. However, I'm still struggling with it a little bit because I want everybody to hear this message. I think you'll see what I mean. We're going to take this morning. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I must have gone to a cell phone game I didn't know about. Uh, but uh, we're going to take this morning, and, uh, and really, I wanted, you know, if there's a way I could highlight and get you to focus on this table in front of me here, not on the table, not even on the crackers and juice, but on the, what they represent there. And that is the blood and body of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that, his death today, uh, hopefully to get you focused on the cross a little bit too. We are going to continue our look in the book of Genesis we started off, and of course, uh, we started with the beginning of all things. Uh, and God looked, and he said, it is good. Uh, God's creation and the beauty of that and everything that is good in that. But then what happened is man had this idea that he wanted the knowledge of evil. And he got it. And we've been stuck with it ever since. And we see the results of that, and we see that the first baby born in the new world was also uh, the first murderer. And we look at those things and we see the, the horror of that and the, the terror of that. And yet God comes through and he says this, evil is not going to ultimately win. He gives us that promise. That's not going to be where it ends. That began way back in the garden where Abraham, I'm sorry, Abraham, who was the guy in the garden? Adam. Uh, Abraham, uh, I don't know what he was doing there. But uh, where Adam and Eve decided that uh, they had a little problem and they needed to cover up uh, themselves. And God said, wait a minute. No, I'm going to take care of this for you. I'm going to provide a covering for you. And then that promise continued in, in uh, chapter 3 and verse number 15 where God promised that in Satan's ultimate victory, the cross, where he got a hold of Jesus and he got a hold of his heel, that heel came down and smashes his head. And uh, we see that promise. But today we're really going to get rolling on that promise. Okay, we're going to look at uh, some things about uh, the promises that God made to Abraham. We're actually going to look in chapter 12 and in chapter 15 and in chapter 24. But we're going to start at the beginning of chapter 12 in a minute here. Before we do that, however, um, the word up here on the screen is Israel. I don't know if you have ever um, wondered, what's the big deal with Israel? Yeah, especially if you're kind of new to the Bible, why, you know, the Old Testament is pretty much all about Israel. 
I mean, it's the history of Israel. What is the big deal with Israel? Why is that such a big thing? Why was that such an important stop on the president's journey this last week? And, and what happened there in Israel? I mean, Israel's kind of a little country. It's about the size of New Jersey, maybe a little bit bigger than that. Uh, not much, kind of the shape of New Jersey. So why is Israel such a big deal? And we're going to explore that today because it is found very simply in this. Abraham is the father of Israel. It is through Abraham that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Here, here's the simple truth. It is through Israel that God would bring the Savior. It is through Israel that God would bring the salvation. Uh, so, and I have learned this more. I realize sometimes when you dive into the Old Testament, you think, what in the world is that about? There are parts where you look at that and you say, I don't know where that is. But as I have grown in my knowledge of Scripture and, uh, and seen the whole picture, I see more and more how everything in Scripture points to Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we're going to very much see that today in the promise that is given to, uh, to Israel. So I'm sorry, th that is given to Abraham, who is the father of Israel. So as we walk in this world, a world that, uh, well, the world that has incredibly good things, does it not? There's a lot of great things to enjoy because God created things well. There's a great accomplishments because we are made in God's image. But there is also this deep-rooted problem in this world called sin. But... Again, God has promised that that sin and that evil is not ultimately going to win. And this book right here is a message of hope. And we're going to develop that message of hope today. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready. You ready? I'm as excited as I have ever. Okay, I'm, you're not supposed to do this up here, but um, I'm getting hot. Are you guys okay? If I turn it down, everybody complains they're cold. You're warm? Okay. Uh, um. I don't know if I could get somebody to sneak out. John, I'm sorry. You, yeah, thank you very much if you do that. Maybe bump it down one or two just a little bit because I don't, you know, if I, if I pass out, <laughs> somebody's going to be. Uh, the last time I got it too cold in here, nobody told me, but 12 people told my wife. Tell your husband it's too cold in here. Uh, apparently, you think she's in charge around here. Uh, but uh, I, I was standing out. I got rid of my coat. I feel pretty good, but I'm, it's, it's feeling just a little bit on the muggy side of life. I, I, you're not supposed to call attention to that. Forget I said that. Focus on what we're talking about. Okay, are you ready? Uh, Genesis chapter 12. Here we go. Now the Lord said to Abram, uh, his name uh, at the beginning here, go from our, your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I'm going to make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now the first thing that I would like you to notice as we look at this promise, I'd like you to see that four times in there you will, you will see the words, I will. I will, I will, I will, I will. Who is saying I will? God is saying that. So the first thing that I want us to see about this promise to Abraham is that God's promise is a gift of grace. This is something that God is doing. You say, well, Abraham must have been a wonderful person. Well, let's check that out. Let's see what Joshua had to say about Abraham. And Joshua said to all the people, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the, the father of Abraham and Nahor, uh, and of Nahor, and here's what they were doing out there. They served other gods. They served man-made gods, okay? And by the way, that's the only other type there is. 
Okay, there is God and there is man's creations of what they think God ought to be or what they think God is. And they, were, they had gone that route. So Abraham is not chosen by God because ah, he was just an awesome guy. And uh, it's amazing. But God decided to take Abraham and use him. And I, again, I want us to just remember that what we're talking about here is a gift of grace. God says you will be a blessed people. You will have a blessed land. But how is that going to happen? How am I going to be a blessed people? I don't even have a kid. Uh, how's that going to happen? How am I going to have to be a blessed land? That land is already occupied. There's already people there. That's not really going to make sense. So there's a total need for the miraculous work of God. And God will not only make the promise, but also he's going to deliver on, on the promise. And we'll see that our God is is, and folks, this word, this grace, you know, of course, one of our most favorite hymns that we ever sing is Amazing Grace. We love that phrase. But if we could really somehow comprehend how amazing grace is, just take that word, grace, and understand there's several different definitions that you can kind of look at that are great, but one of them is just this idea of unmerited favor. But keep that word in mind. It is unmerited. There is nothing. We still get caught in this mindset of works, and we still get caught in this idea that somehow, I'm going to earn the grace of God and that whole statement doesn't make any sense somehow I'm deserving of the grace of God more than somebody else that statement doesn't make any sense that doesn't go with what grace is grace is about God I will I will I will and the first thing about the promise is it is a gift of grace Okay, the second thing that we'll see as we jump over now to chapter 15 is that not only is it a gift of grace, but God's promise is to be received by faith. Okay, so we are going to now look at chapter 15 and read. You see the idea of grace and faith together. Some of you might be familiar with some verses in the book of Ephesians that talk about the idea that we are saved by grace through faith in Ephesians 8, 8 and 9. And uh, this makes it very plain to us, too, that Abraham, the promise to Abraham is a gift of God, and it is to be received by faith. Here we go. Verse, uh, chapter number 15. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me for I... Uh, or what will you give me for I continue childless? The heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. So I got a servant. How's this going to happen? And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Okay? What, what's, what's the deal here, God? How's this going to work out? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards the heaven. Number the stars. If you were able to number them, then he said to him, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there, but uh, so, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. I want you to see a couple different things here, just call your attention to. I love this, that God kind of said to Abraham, hey, let's take a walk outside. Let me show you the stars. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and, and I would actually show it to you now with our streaming. We have a little bit of trouble with copyright and everything like that. But I mentioned there is a video by Louis Giglio, Giglio that is called An Indescribable God. I'm going to say that again in case you just say uh, our, our indescribable God, Louis Giglio. And he just goes through and he shows you the majesty of 
the, the heavens, if you will. He shows you the size of the earth and then compares that to the size of the sun and then compares that to the size of these other stars that we come into. And maybe you've decided that it all happened because there was a big ball of gas that exploded someday, uh, even though you have no idea where the gas came from. But I look at that and I say, God, you are awesome. It's incredible, the creation and how you place everything just so perfectly and where our planet is and gravity and everything like that that, that uh, is perfect to sustain the life that we have. I think that's incredible. Again, if you want to think it's an accident, you have more faith than I do, but, uh, but, uh, but I love that. Hey, have you ever had the opportunity, and hopefully you all have, where you're out in the country, you're away from uh, the cities a little bit, and you get to see the stars? Isn't that awesome? So would you look at that? That is just incredible. Well, that is what... Uh, God says, Abraham, right now, let me take you outside. Let, let me show you something here. Let me show you a little bit my creation. Well, uh, when I think, I'm sorry, I wanted to start with how great thou art. How's that start? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. And that's what he's doing. He's wa walking out and he's saying, would you look at that? That's incredible. Well, this is what, first of all, understand who you're talking to here. I'm the one who created all that. And when I said I can make you as numerous as them, take a look. I think I can handle this. And, uh, and then, but then it says down here that he believed God and he counted it to him as righteousness. So crucial here. What is it that, first of all, why did God count Abraham a righteous? The Bible simply says because he believed God. Well, what is it that Abraham believed? I want to show you something that Jesus said about Abraham. He said, your father, Abraham, rejoiced. Why? That he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, you know what your father, Abraham, was looking for? My day. Me. Abraham knew the promise of God that one particular descendant of his would bring salvation. And we'll see that even more as we go through the story. But God, that is what his faith was in. You say, well, his faith was in... No, his faith was in that promise that God would bring a redeemer. And Jesus says that right here. He says he rejoiced. He saw this. I, I'm sure he didn't understand every detail. I don't know if he completely got the virgin birth. It would be Mary or Bethlehem or any of those things at this time. But what he knew is that God would provide. What he knew is that God would meet those needs. Uh, the, the, that need. There would be this one particular descendant of his that would bring salvation. Now, that phrase that we looked at, let me back up to it for just a second here. Remember this phrase down here? It was accounted to him for righteousness. That's, that's incredible to me, what, what that idea means. Okay, now I want to show you uh, this verse here. For, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, God says he counted it, to, he believed, and therefore I counted it to him for righteousness. Okay? I made him, I can stand here right before you now, and hopefully you will not be offended at my statement, but I can tell you I stand before you righteous. You say, whoa, that guy's a legend in his own mind. Listen, I'm not talking about my behavior. Uh, I was thinking about this. I was telling some of the guys this last week. Every once in a while, stupidity and anger just take over again. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that as I'm growing older, it happens less and less. Last week, there we go. Uh, yeah, last week I dropped my car off. We were getting a little work done for it. I took my mother-in-law home, and I walked over to the Dairy Queen beside it, and I was sitting outside of the Dairy Queen drinking my Pepsi, and this guy uh, was sitting in the car waiting, and when his 
girlfriend, whatever, came out. She handed him the food, and he took the hamburger out, and he threw the wrapper out the window, and he took the lid off the thing, and he threw it out the window. Now, a smart person at that point, and everything that uh, was inside me said, shut your mouth. This guy was big, uh, and at the time, I was pretty hobbled. Uh, so uh, a smart person would have just sat there and said like that, and I, but smart person wasn't, wasn't in town that day. Uh, the other Dan was. And yeah, I'd like to say, well, I was just protecting the city and the environment and everything like that. No, I was just mad at him. Uh, to be real honest with you, I was just mad. And I, I just thought, I said, hey, don't worry, I'll get that for you. Yeah, he didn't appreciate that comment. Uh, he had a name for me, which I cannot repeat, that he kept using over and over again, uh, referring to that. And I said, well, that's okay. I'll clean up after you because you're a slob. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he said, <laughs> here's his line, you better shut up, old man. Now, I, I, I think that's the first time in my life I heard those words. And I got to tell you, it was pretty humbling. And also, yeah, I thought, yeah, I probably ought to. Uh, <laughs> At this point, and honestly, I'm glad the teens aren't in here because that do not follow my example. That was terrible. Okay, everything in me said, "Shut your mouth," uh, including the Holy Spirit of God. And I was just angry and acted like that. And I still have some moments like that. So when I stand up and I say, "I am righteous," okay, you wouldn't have thought me righteous there uh, on the uh, Dairy Queen bench yelling at this guy and, and fuming. You wouldn't have thought that. When I stand up on saying righteous, here's, 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 let me illustrate it like this for a second. Back in um, December, uh, some of you know I've done some substitute bus driving up at Edwardsburg, and I really did very little in the fall. I drove a couple of trips. That was it. Well, one day I go to my bank page online, and uh, I look there, and I see an extra 900 and some dollars in there. And I was like, sweet. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Uh, but, uh, and then I'm looking, and I saw Edwardsburg Public Schools. And I thought, well, that is really nice, but I haven't done anything. So, uh, so I went into the office, and I just said, hey, uh, I think you made a mistake. Uh, and they said, well, no. They said, you know, somehow they had gotten some extra COVID money. And by the way, the bus drivers deserved that. I didn't, but they did. Uh, and, uh, the, and they got some extra money put in their account, but it was just so cool that it just, you, you know, that, you know, that direct deposit, I, I'm kind of old school about, uh, I hate giving people access to take money out of my account. Uh, we have, my phone bill does that, and it always makes me mad. I, they didn't ask. They just took it. Uh, but, uh, but ma'am, is this sweet when all of a sudden something is credited to you? There it is. It's on my account. That's what I want you to visualize happens here. Okay, and by the way, when it came up on my account, it came out of another account uh, down, down there at the school. And when Jesus says, I'm going to give you my righteousness, that is, that is just such an incredible verse. You're looking for a verse to memorize? Grab onto that one. He knew no sin that he might be, the, he, he was made sin. He took that on his account. You got it? And what did he put on our account? Righteousness. And it is through faith in him. It is through our belief in him. Okay, so we got that this promise is, first of all, uh, got all about God's grace, right? And you have, secondly, that this promise is, all, is to be received by faith. But there's a third thing that we're going to spend some time on here as we look at chapter 24. And I want you to realize that this promise comes at an unimaginable cost. The story that we read in uh, Genesis, I'm sorry, I think I said 24, in Genesis 22 is both uh, beautiful, but it's also horrifying. 
And I want to invite you, as we read it, to think about those two ideas. Yes, this is a beautiful story that God gives us. This is, we talked last week about the ark and the idea that that is a picture of salvation. Here's another beautiful picture that God gives us of salvation. And it is. It's, it's wonderful to look at. However, I also want you to see that this story is also has an element of horror in it. When, when you read what happens, it's a story that, you know, we tell the little kids and, and sometimes you got to think, hey, I wonder if this is going to scare them to death. But uh, I want you to see that, too, as we read through. So we're in, we're in Genesis 22 now. And again, I'm starting at the beginning of the chapter. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here, here, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son. Starting to see the picture there. Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went to the place where God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He saw the place afar. Then Abraham said to the young man, you stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go up over there and worship. And then we'll come back to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. Now, I want to point this out for a second here real quickly. Isaac was carrying the wood. We, uh, studies, I think, reveal that Isaac was not the little boy that we see in pictures. Okay, Isaac was a young man. Okay, he was carrying the wood. Okay, and that, that's kind of important to realize because... In this situation, I want you, well, uh, we'll develop that a, a little bit more in a second here. But he said, my father, he said, here am I, uh, I'm sorry, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire of the, uh, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went up together. And when they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham built an altar, and there he laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand, he took the knife, so to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. There are a couple things, and, and uh, Actually, more than a couple of things we could point out, but a couple of things I want to call your attention to as we walk back through this story. Uh, it's a story that, for those of you that have grown up around church or Sunday school, you've heard this story before. You're, you're familiar with it. Uh, I don't know if you were familiar with the aspect uh, of, uh, of uh, Isaac's age, but, uh, but you're familiar with some things. And I want to highlight a couple things. First thing I want to highlight is this. Abraham did not question the need for sacrifice. Okay? When God said he was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham pleaded. He said, oh, hold on. Do we, do we really have to do this? In this case, he doesn't question it at all. There's an understanding that for the blessing of God to flow into a fallen world, it will take sacrifice. 
Okay, let me say that again. There was an understanding that if God's blessing is going to flow into this world that has fallen, there will be sacrifice. Abraham seemed to understand that. A second thing that he understood is that God would provide. Isaac said, what's going on here? He said, don't worry, God, God will provide. God will take care of God will provide that sacrifice. Now, I want you again to think about this father and son going together, and I want you to realize very much that they were working together. I want to show you a couple of different verses um, with that. One is, uh, again, the words of Jesus in John chapter 18. He says of his life, he said, no one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this charge I have received of my father. And then uh, in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 32, uh, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how we also graciously give us all things. God did not spare his son. So the two are acting them are acting together. A son who is willing to lay down his life, a father who is willing to, to uh, sacrifice his son. That's incredible. And I think some of you might remember, I'm going to go old school here for you. Uh, some of you might remember a song. I remember this when I was a teenager. This guy came and sang a song, and I could see that it was a big old guy. Uh, I didn't want to say fat because that would be something wrong, uh, but he was. And, uh, and he was belting out this song, and I remember him singing, He could have called 10,000 angels. Anybody remember that song? There's Jesus on the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. And I thought about that because truth of the matter is Abraham is a very old man, and Isaac is a young man. Abraham was, you know how you get that, that stage of life, guys, where you're, you have uh, what they call dad strength? Okay, and the young men sometimes come up to you and they're buff because they've been working out and they show you their muscles and they think, ah, I can take this guy. But you got your dad's strength. They don't understand. It's really cool. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's kind of cool because you think this guy thinks he's so fit and he's so buff, but you got your dad's strength. Well, Abraham was well past dad's strength. Okay. <laughs> he's more like way past even where I am. He didn't, he didn't have that type of strength. In other words, what I'm saying is if Isaac had said this ain't happening, he could have made it so that it didn't happen. It was a son willing to lay down his life. It was a father willing to sacrifice. Isn't that astounding? Isn't that amazing what took place there? The father willing, the son willing. As I was thinking about this this week, again, the uh, words to how great thou art are coming to my mind. And when I think, when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die. Do you know what the next line is? I scarce can take it in. I can't even imagine this. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I, you know, just to meditate on and think about that. And as I, as I and we're not going to stop yet, but in a few minutes, we're going to stop and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together. And I want you, we're going to, we're actually going to sing that song before we, before we observe the Lord's Supper, and we're going to play it during that, because I want you to think about a couple of different things. I want you to think about that phrase of the stars. I want you to think about, hey, let's take a little walk here. Come on, okay. I, I can handle, I created the stars. I can handle this thing. I've got this, okay? I've got the plan in place for redemption through Jesus Christ. I can handle the forgiveness of your sin. I can handle that. I can secure for you eternal life. I got all this. I want you to see the awesomeness of God. But then I also want you just to meditate on the idea that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die. Man, how do we, how do we really comprehend that? 
And I really, okay, I know some of you have different church backgrounds and different churches handle the Lord's Supper differently as far as timing goes. Uh, I actually come from a background where they did the Lord's Supper once a, a quarterly, they called it, once every three months. Uh, so for most of my Christian life, that's what we did. We just did uh, communion about once every three months. Uh, some churches I know uh, do communion every week. They'll, they'll make it available and have it every week. When I came here, the tradition was once a month. And um, I'm good with that from this standpoint. I, I don't know that there is a specific, some, some might argue with me there, I don't know if there's a specific, hey, here's how often you ought to do that. My desire more than anything is that we make it something. What I mean is we don't just, okay, yeah, that's what you do at church. Yeah, give me that cracker, give me that juice. I never want us to do that. I never want us to take that lightly. Because I think that recognizing what we are observing here is something that God called us to do, remember. As often as you do this, remember. And this idea of an unimaginable cost, we need to have that. When, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm in oldies land this week, I don't, I don't know why, but when I was a kid too, I, I remember this because a couple years ago I was at some teen meetings and a guy brought this in to make fun of it. But there was a song back when I was a kid. It was the hip Jesus song back then. Uh, it was, you know, four guys, they had on their leisure suits. Man, I remember leisure suits. Uh, they had their guitars, and uh, and they just and they had their little weird mustaches, a little bit longer hair, uh, typical '70s look. And they're all they're singing over and over again. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my friend. Jesus, going over and over again like that. And I think sometimes now listen, Jesus is my friend. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I can sing what a friend I have in Jesus. We sang today that he is my friend, he is my father. I'm so thankful for that relationship. But I think sometimes today that's all we want to say. Jesus is my buddy. You know, work it in, man. And we're growing, he's becoming my best friend. He might be becoming more and more part of, our life, of my life. Let me tell you something. Jesus never uh, said, I want to become part of your life. He said, I want to give you a whole new life. But in today's world, we, we kind of just want the aspects of Jesus that, yeah, we like. I like the friend thing. But if you're going to talk about the cross, if you're going to talk about the blood, if you're going to go into the, the sacrifice of that, I really would rather not hear that. Um, let, if you would think with me for a second, let's pretend uh, that I'm a young man and, and uh, I'm marrying a young lady and she, uh, she has some, we'll just say, incredible baggage. She's had horrible things happen in her past. A great heartache and everything like that. And she has decided that she will never share that with me. Okay, now I want, I want you to think about there, there for a second. That, that's a scenario I think you could imagine. Let's say, you know, Frances has some things in her background that she's like, I'm never going to tell my husband that. I don't, I don't want him to know that. And that's understandable, I guess. But at the same time, would you agree with me that until I can know that suffering, if you will, I'm never really going to know her? Would you agree with me on that? The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3, and he talked about, he said his desire for the church was that they know Jesus. And one of the phrases that he used in there, he said, I want you to know the fellowship of his suffering. And I think this is so important and so often neglected in our life that we, do, that we forget about this, what happened here. 
And I think this picture we have of Isaac and, and Abraham on their way and stuff like that just highlights it so much. We realize, yes, this is God's gift of grace. We realize it is to be received uh, by faith and trust and belief. But what is it that we are believing in? We are believing that God sent his son, willing to sacrifice him. We are believing that there had to be a sacrifice because there is sin. And there is sin in my life, and I need to have forgiveness, and I need to know this. And, uh, and I want to place my faith and my trust in him. Yeah, great. Jesus is my friend. I don't, I'm not arguing with that at all. I think we ought to celebrate that. Uh, and I love it. I mean, I love getting up in the morning and being able to say good morning. God, I love that. But if it's just kind of like he's just, just kind of our buddy there, let's not forget what, what took place here. Let's not forget the King of Kings. Let's not forget the suffering Savior is so crucial. I'm going to ask uh, Rachel and, and Adam to come back up because, as I mentioned, we are going to sing. Before we do communion, we're going to sing How Great Thou Art. And uh, as we do, again, now one verse in particular I hope you focus on. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, isn't that amazing? Let's, let's worship together. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.